Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, the next episode is episode 5, Remember Me. Wesley's experiment with warp fields results in the mysterious disappearance of the crew. I like real weird Twilight zone episodes, and this is one of them for me. Well, I don't, so I'm going to veto it. Well, fuck you, because we're watching it. Adam, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep burning vetoes. <laughs> you insist? Do you insist? Fine, fuck you. You burned your veto. You did it again. Why are you saying I'm burning my veto? You're the one that burned your veto first. Because this episode is a turkey. No, it's not. It is not. It's a total turkey, Adam. And now, the conclusion. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Now, Adam, this is a podcast where we watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and then we tell the people what happened in it, and we crack a few jokes along the way. I'm familiar with that format. Yeah. We always end an episode with Drunk Shimoda, our beloved signature segment in which we call out the character who's being the silliest or just having the most fun. That's right. I was listening to a recent episode of our show just to uh, quality check it, and I was like, man, like I feel like if you'd never listened to this show and you just jumped in midstream, you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. So I, I just thought I would toss out some, some broad strokes about what the format is. <laughs> what do you think are some other... Uh, good notes to have if you're a new viewer of the program because occasionally we'll get we'll get notes to the hosts yeah from people who are like uh why do you call us viewers why (laughs) are they the borgs where did six bay come from well they don't say why are they the borgs they say they're the borg singular Get it yeah. right, jerk. <laughs> oh yeah, they're 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 much more forceful than that. I feel like we might need not that we need this. I'm putting <laughs> need in need in quotes, but we might need kind of a show handbook. Huh. I was thinking like sh- yeah, that would be cool. I was also thinking it would be cool if people maybe out on the uh Facebook and the Reddit wanted to put together a list of like what are the three or four kind of must-listen episodes. If you're you're not going to go back through the whole catalog, like how do you kind of get up to speed on the dumb repeat jokes that happen over and over again on our show? (laughs) Some people feel very rewarded to get those jokes having come from episode one. Uh, Other people are just totally mystified by them. We'd, we'd 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 have to quit our jobs and do nothing but explain the jokes if we had to explain the jokes to everybody that asked it's already ruining a a marin open that we're in the middle of yeah i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's not your fault i think it's good from time to time to open a show with a warm welcome to our new viewers yeah and a big f you to anybody who's been confused by our inside (laughs) jokes (laughs) speaking of f you's ben I gave you a big one at the end of last episode. Things got too hot for Pod. The double veto throwdown? 
Right. That led us into this episode. Do you have any regrets now? I don't. None at all. Really? I don't. Oh. Let's oh. get into it so I can tell you why. Okay. It's season four, episode five. Remember me. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the Enterprise is pulling into Starbase, and uh, that is like maybe the one part of this episode that's worth watching, even though it's just a shot that they borrowed from another episode. Always fun to see the uh, ship pull into Starbase. With how often the ship gets stolen out of Starbases, I think they should go in on red alert. Like, (laughs) highest possible alert setting when they pull into the garage from now on, I think. Is They've got to be terrified. Is 133 the same starbase they were at when the Binaires hijacked them? I don't know. It looks exactly the same. So I think we can assume that. But who's our guy from that episode? Uh, Quinones. Commander Quinones. They, they fired him after the Biner incident because he doesn't make an appearance. <laughs> uh, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Starbase 74. So do you think that that means that there are at least 133 of these huge orbital starbases in the Federation? Seems like quite an investment. Damn. So they're basically on Uber duty. Mm-hmm. Beverly's, Beverly's got an old friend. Dr. Well, they're not D. really. Like, they have some other mission, but this guy's heading the same way. This guy's sort of got his thumb out at the starbase, <laughs> and the Enterprise is going his way. Like we can, we can get you as far as uh, Stockton. It's ass, cash, or grass. Oh, Adam, there is a car that is often parked on the street outside my apartment that says ass or gas. No one rides for free. And I'm like, you're leaving out a whole third of the potential <laughs> kinds of currency I could wa- I could want to use to get a ride in your... Uh, late model Mustang. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even if you aren't into the grass, I mean, there's still value to that. Yeah, that is uh, that is fungible, you know? It is. You can exchange that with lots of different people for lots of different goods and services. You know what the greatest gen version of that bumper sticker is? It's ass, cash, or scarves. No one rides for free. <laughs> It's, a, it's slapped on a Previa, Ben. <laughs> you just see rich guys driving around in their cars with scarves piled up. A uh, Previa and that bumper sticker. I would I would take that as our new show art for sure. I, I, I definitely usually am hesitant to get into strange people's vans, but that one I would feel perfectly safe in. No question. <laughs> Can you, help, can you help me put this piece of furniture in the back of the van? <laughs> I injured my arm. That sounds a little bit Kevin-y. Yeah, I, I have thought a couple of times that my Kevin slips a little toward the Buffalo Bill. Yeah. From time to time. It, there's not a lot of light in between those two impressions, that's for sure. Cap, Captain Picard, is she a great big fat person? <laughs> Captain Picard puts the lotion in the basket <laughs> Or else she gets the hose again <laughs> I, gave, I gave the hose to every who snuck Everywhere <laughs> <laughs> 
the Hushnak were great big fat chicks. <laughs> so they pull into the starbase to pick up one of Beverly's friends, Dr. Dalen Quace, and Beverly describes him as one of her best friends. Mm-hmm. Ben, Dr. Dalen Quace is, I think, generously 70 years old. Yeah. How old is your oldest best friend? Um, that isn't a relative. I'd say my oldest close friend is maybe 10 years older than me. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. What's up with that, Bev? I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, I guess she, like, uh, did some doctor work with him. Yeah, there's, and, like, uh, a mentorship relationship here, right? Yeah. This is a... This is a man that is being portrayed by legendary uh, and and deceased actor Bill Irwin, who uh, graced the screen in such classics as Home Alone and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But uh, <laughs> he just looks genuinely confused <laughs> in this role. <laughs> He's like, why am I wearing a bellhop uniform? All right, well... <laughs> Yeah, he he looks like someone who doesn't know where he is, and they just keep the camera rolling. Mm-hmm. And he all of his dialogue is just played off of Gates's dialogue. Right. Uh, yeah, he is blessedly not in much of this episode because <laughs> he really grinds the uh, the caliber of on screen acting to a halt. As he he's, uh, he's no Seymour Castle, that's for sure. No, you know why didn't they bring him back? He would have been great. Oh yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, was Ca- Castle was in a Pulaski episode, right? He was. That was the Crash Zoom episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great Crash Zooms we've ever gotten on this show. Yeah. So they're walking through the corridor, and Bev's chatting him up. He's like, she's like, oh, it's so great to see you again. Really, sorry to hear about your old wife. <laughs> and uh, Quace is like, yeah, I mean, she was sick for a long time, and it's kind of a bummer being an old person. Uh, and being a widower, it it makes you think about like the the slowly disappearing sphere of people you have in your life when you become an old. Yeah, it's like it's definitely like a thing that they are starting to do, which every cold open has to be kind of a metaphor for what's about to happen in the episode. It yeah. can't just be a, a way to get you into the episode. It has to be somewhat separate but metaphoric, and. And it's the it's, reverse of the Brothers Forgive dialogue. It's it's as if they, they yeah. use Brothers Forgive as the first line of dialogue instead of the last. And it is, yeah, it is like the first, it's the original sin of this episode. It's like <laughs> they they wrote this this character in as like, as this beloved old character and they make it the most generic depiction of an old, of all time which is literally a guy walking around saying, you know, the worst thing about being old is all your friends start to die. There is no reason to care about him at all. And I'm glad he's gone. Because a moment later, he disappears. <laughs> yeah, so Crusher, Crusher says her, her momentary goodbyes to Quace and goes down to engineering where Wesley the boy. is doing... An experiment on the warp reactor, and Jordy is fucking pissed. Wes, time for the experiment is over. I want my warp engines back now. Because Wesley is taking his sweet time. You want to be the one to explain when the captain says engage and we just sit here? They're trying to make a new kind of warp bubble. And um, he, he finally gets all his equations punched in, and he, and he hits it, 
and there's a big flash of light, and they're all like, huh, that's weird. And Jordy's like, all right, kid, you got to clear out. I need to get the warp engine back online so that when we take off from Starbase. And uh, Wes is like, all right, Mom, let's head out, and looks up, no mama. She gone. (laughs) This is the point that, I mean, there are so many parts of this episode that don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I noticed that too, Adam. If you are conducting an experiment and an unexpected flash of light goes off and then someone in the room isn't there anymore, <laughs> that's kind of a reason to to maybe hit your communicator and see where mom is. There's just a, a long list of things about this episode that make it seem not quite up to the standards that are already pretty low for this show. There's a moment in in every episode that asks you to suspend some amount of disbelief. Mm -hmm. This episode asks you three minutes in to suspend all disbelief everywhere. (laughs) I I suspended. I did not just suspend my disbelief. I suspended all disbelief everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Don't interview me, Ben. I'm not having it. All right. Well, so so Bev heads up to to uh, have I guess breakfast with uh, Dalen Quace, and um, she like punches the punches the uh, she punches the doorbell on his quarters a bunch of times. He doesn't answer, so she like overrides the door and. She's kind of expecting a stinky guy in there. Yeah. Well, there's a great crash zoom when she keys into the room because Worf is peering out from around a corner watching her do it. And he goes, how did she do it? (laughs) What are those buttons? (laughs) So she goes in. Nobody is there. She asks the computer, hey, like... Current location of Dr. Dalen Quace. And the computer comes back with a very perplexing answer. There is no Dr. Dalen Quace aboard the Enterprise. And so she calls Worf down, and there's like a very funny, awkward moment where she's like, yeah, and I just can't find this guy. And so then he does the thing that she did. Computer, where is Dr. Dalen Quace? There is no Dr. Dalen Quace aboard the Enterprise. (laughs) It's like when you call, uh, call tech support, and the first three steps that they walk you through are ones that you've tried before you even called in. So you just like sit on the phone and be like, oh, okay, now I'm unplugging it. Yeah. Okay, now I'm plugging it back in. Yeah, no, it's still not working. Yeah. <laughs> it's just two people looking at the ceiling asking where Quace is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, and and it becomes clear pretty soon that nobody even believes that Quace came on the ship. They're going to give... A lot of benefit of the doubt to the doctor for some reason, but there's no record of him having come on board. There's no, you know, Picard doesn't remember clearing it. Uh, she's the only person that remembers anything about this guy. And, and you know, the, the further they look into this, the less she has to go on. Like, the Starbase doesn't have any record of him. The medical facility that they trained at 15 years ago has no record of him. It's like... It's it's a it's real perplexing. At this point, beginning with Riker, everyone starts giving her the squint of suspicion. Mm-hmm. Like she's sounding a little crazy. Everyone's humoring her. This is also th- this is the second point in the episode where I felt like 
We know you can watch the episode inside the episode. This has <laughs> happened before on the show. Yeah. Why don't they just go to the security camera footage? No one thinks to do that. Yeah. That's only used for docking and undocking the saucer section. Right. So so let's like uh let's just establish what what ways they have attempted to help the doctor on this so far. They have security comb through the ship deck by deck on the assumption that maybe his communicator got damaged and he's like he's like a crispy critter somewhere. <laughs> like he fell down fell down a Jeffrey's tube shaft. They totally cop to the idea that if he's dead the sensors won't pick him up. Right. That's being explored. They they do a lot of searches on you know, with other places that he might have been, like, oh, maybe he went, walked back off the ship and went to the starbase, that type of thing. The You know, they turn every stone over to, to look for this guy. And uh, at some point, Captain Picard is like, you know, obviously we're going to help you find this guy, but this is pretty fucking crazy, Doctor. Yeah, he talks to her like someone talks to a drunk person <laughs> who's, who's acting a little weird. Like, yeah. real gentle... Not wanting to spook her, mm-hmm. but still very clearly not taking what she's saying very seriously. Yeah, and people get more and more condescending to her as <laughs> as this happens. Like she goes out and she she tells Data, she like Data's like, yeah, like they didn't they didn't have any record of him at the starbase. I searched every different spelling of his name, and she's like, it's spelled Quace. Q U A I C E. And Data's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I actually entered a thousand different versions. And so so she starts going back to Six Bay to, you know, conduct the rest of her business. And I guess she wants to scan Chief O'Brien, because Chief O'Brien's the only person she can say definitively was in the room when Quace beamed aboard. So And she straight up thinks he's lying. Yeah. She thinks it's one of uh, Chief O'Brien's tricks again. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I'm not even in my wetsuit. I shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she's, she starts uh, starts in on it and, and realizes she's going to need some other doctors and starts radioing up other doctors. And they have all disappeared. Yeah, as she, as she radios other doctors, O'Brien looks at her like, who are you talking about? <laughs> You're the only doctor on this ship. Yeah, this is where it starts to be like a, I don't know, like a Vegas crime show like someone's <laughs> killing doctors and beverly crusher's gotta find out who it is you can't handle what's really going on here <laughs> i don't want to hear it Bang. in this department we go by the book <sighs> so i think this is kind of when they start to like explore with just depicting the ship as being uncharacteristically empty and they, they do a nice job of this from time to time beverly's like well Four of my medical staff are missing, and not only that, like, hundreds more are gone, too. Right. What's up? Can't really explain it. The line for the buffet is is practically empty. Right. The Windjammer Cafe is usually popping this time of day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the pineapple chunks are usually gone by the time she goes through the line. Yeah. She's used to just getting the honeydew. Fuck honeydew. <laughs> A crew of 148 couldn't possibly eat this many cocktail weenies. <laughs> so why do we have them? It is the guiding principle of a dog-feeding base. Now you can't find it within yourself. Just stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So yeah, the, the, the frustrating thing is that every time somebody that she remembers disappears, people look at her like she's stupid. 
and uh, don't remember the person, uh, act out of utter perplexity. And conveniently, people are disappearing at a rate of 10 per minute of this episode. But it, the circle is, is uh, shrinking in on the most important characters on the show. So... <laughs> So, so you know, they keep saying like, "Oh, the the ship's complement is a quarter of what it normally should be," and none of the characters that have speaking lines on regular episodes have disappeared. <laughs> it occurred to me that this is maybe the cheapest episode they've produced yet, Adam. Yeah, because because they're just whittling down the number of speaking roles <laughs> the entire time. It's sort of an interesting tension between high concept and big cost savings. <laughs> Like, you don't typically get high concept and savings. High concept is typically expensive. Uh, yeah, and and they've borrowed shots from another show to get the only shots that are not just interiors of the ship. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... it's don't need a, to hire a bunch of extras. Yeah, there's two extras in the whole episode. <laughs> At this point, they start introducing uh, a little mini hurricane. Mm-hmm. That pops up from time to time, and its suck force is is pretty strong. Right. It is not so strong that it pulls the wig off of her head. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wig strength wind. No, uh, we're not. But, we're not talking about a floby here. No, it is strong enough to sort of pick her up off of the ground. Yeah, I feel like maybe more than any other character, the Doctor is confronted with like explosive decompression <laughs> and situations where she's being blown in the air. They kind of ripply her a little bit, right? Yeah, they do a lot of it. There's definitely yeah. other episodes where she she gets uh, she, she gets blown in the air like this, where like her feet are off the ground and her hands are gripping onto some stationary object. This might be a good moment as the crew is being whittled down to double or even single digits to ask: At what point does a crazy person feel like they're crazy? Because yeah. you could say that this episode is weak because of its concept or because of Beverly's response to the conflict that's or, happening. Or like me, you could say it's weak for both of those reasons. Right. But the thing that irked me more than anything was Beverly's re reaction to her circumstance. They all have been the living, breathing heart of this crew for over three years. They deserve more than to be shrugged off. And that's just such a bizarre reaction to what's happened for a scientist to have. Like, yeah. she, she, she reacts completely emotionally to what could be a scientific problem. Well, yeah, and it's also just for as much as this is a crazy problem that she's dealing with the entire episode, and it is suggested fairly early on that there might be have been a warp bubble involved what? with... Wesley's experiment and you know the traveler might be somebody that they want to consider bringing into the mix that's all suggested very early she starts doing deductive reasoning around like the 35 minute mark which is you know <laughs> yeah. like the entire rest of the episode she's just running around declaring that she's not crazy and that you know there are people that exist that other people don't remember 
I don't think I've ever missed Dr. Pulaski more than I have in this episode. <laughs> because could you imagine what her response would be and how different it would be from Beverly's? Like, Pulaski would go to 10 forward. She'd pull a cork out of a bottle with her teeth. <laughs> she'd spit it out and she'd get to work. Yeah. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> she'd totally kick ass. And it's disappointing that Bev just isn't up to the challenge of this. It is, and and I really like Doctor Crusher. I I think that a lot of people malign Doctor Crusher. Uh, I think I think she's a great character, and I think this is a this episode to me is a a disservice to her. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, just kind of why I didn't want to watch it. I feel like it's if I could remove it from the canon, I would. You know, there's there's a way to do that, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want me to? take you up on that conversation or am I not allowed to <laughs> you just call out my name and you know that I will be there <laughs> Kevin Uxbridge can't sing Ben I don't know if you've ever tried to sing doing Kevin Uxbridge it's impossible <laughs> yeah um, Kevin Uxbridge karaoke gonna be a big hit at Greatest Gen Con 2017 that I'm looking forward to perhaps more than anything um, yeah, and so like at a, yeah, at a certain point, like every single person has disappeared, and there's a pretty funny scene where she comes onto the bridge, and it looks like nobody's there, and then Picard's head like goes, Bweet! and <laughs> and he like stands up from behind uh, Worf's uh, tactical con, and uh, Doctor Crusher goes and sits down in the op seat and walks him through all of the character descriptions like the one-line character descriptions for the casting uh the casting notices (laughs) you got Riker with the beard uh he sexes everything you got you got plays trombone the most suggestive instrument (laughs) you have Worf with his loaf hates doors uh you've got Troy she's uh a woman so that's all there is to that. <laughs> uh, you have Wesley, the boy, yeah, you, uh, in, she gives, in your box. She gives a perfect delivery of Wesley, my son. Wesley, my son. I almost want to like re-record <laughs> the Baker Street drop, including this one. It's so impassioned. It's yeah. great. She's, it's, it, is like, it is like the writer of this episode was like, I'm going to write a bad one. But I'm going to write it with something just for Ben and Adam, two guys that are going to make a podcast about this show in 30 years, and they are really going to enjoy this. Yeah, it's a perfect line reading. It's great. Mm-hmm. And Picard looks at her like, yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. It's always been me from the start, driving around the ship alone. I guess with you, I guess. But yeah. for the most part, only me. And she's like, well, based on how things are going, you're about to go too. So there's one thing I really need to tell you, Jean-Luc, which which is something that's happened before. I think it was in the Echo Papa. Yeah. Uh, something, something. Echo Papa 607 Echo episode. Papa 607 episode. She had a uh, a special thing she needed to tell Picard, but didn't quite get a chance. And uh, she has it again. She's had a couple of years now probably to uh to get this out on the table i don't know if it's ever gonna happen ben yeah and uh wouldn't you know it 
right before she spills the beans, he gone. This was a real spooky scene. Like, there are moments in this episode that are effective, and I thought this was one of them. Uh, they hook up Picard's vitals to the main computer, and so the computer is is reading and playing his vital signs out loud. Right. And as cool as that is, it's also incredibly frustrating because you're telling Beverly the whole time, do not break eye contact with the last person on board the ship. (laughs) And she looks away for a moment, and sure enough, the vitals go away, and so does Picard. Yeah. And so then the the hurricane reappears, and she narrowly avoids getting sucked into it. And we cut away to a silhouette stepping in front of the hurricane and it's Wesley the boy in engineering with Jordy who's who are all supposed to be gone by now and they're struggling to get the doctor through this through this hole in space but the thing collapses and and Wesley is like totally dejected he thinks that they've blown their last opportunity when who should appear but the Traveler. Hooray! I'm useful! The first depiction of a one-piece costume that doesn't have shit-tons of knuck. Finally! I look as pretty as I feel! It is knuck-emphasizing, though, because it's got two lines that go down the chest and basically end in a point right, where the but knuck there's should no, be. There's no knuck there. It's a no-knuck costume. It's true. It's true. The fabric is very thick. Yeah. It's it's more upholstered than his original costume. Yeah, I mean, l- last time we saw him was back in the uh, the Kuji sweater era. So, yeah, it, it, it they've come a long way in terms of costume design on this show. And uh, I feel like his hands look grosser too, because hands his hands are real like bruised looking, and he's got those. He's got like uh, I think he's got three fingers instead of five. So yeah, he's got Zoidberg hands. He could give a really upsetting set of double middles i feel like <laughs> but he's, he's never that angry they you know? also really look wet to me yeah like like you ever shake someone's hand and it's it's just moist mm-hmm. like ugh, I, I can't imagine getting a three-finger handshake that's that's damp <laughs> my love is a Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna help them he's gonna help them get Crusher back, and he does some exposition about what happened, which is that it wasn't everybody else that was getting sucked into the warp bubble; it was Crusher that was sucked into the warp bubble, and and so I guess like the universe of her mind has been contracting, uh, and and so like along with everyone watching the episode, right? Yeah. Slipping into a fugue state, um, yeah, and 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 so that's why people have been disappearing, I guess, because they're like home planets, and histories have been erased as the as the uh, universe shrinks. It's weird that their solution to the problem is to pop up the hurricane. Yeah, without like no one shouts into the hurricane to to signal Beverly that that they're from the correct timeline, like. No one, no one sticks a pole into it, like uh, like when you rescue someone from drowning. Like, no one tries to reach into the other side to signal her in any way. Yeah, it's uh, it's real, real laid back hurricane. Yeah, they could have thrown a probe through or just a rope. 
They could have stuck Data's arm through it. Yeah, he's willing to do that. Are you kidding me? He'd love that. Yeah. He'd hokey pokey that hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when Dr. Crusher decides to start thinking like a scientist. And her first <laughs> assumption, she announces, is that she's not crazy, which I I love. Like, she is dedicated to the proposition that she is the most sane person on the show. <laughs> you know? That, that's cute. Like, like, it's great because she's... Like all crazy people, she thinks she's sane. Yeah, but like a couple of times now, she's had to threaten Picard with, like, removing him from duty. And uh, and he always, like, fires no- right back at her. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, And nah, he nah. never turns the tables on her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she figures it out. The Traveler has to kind of um, be the Obi-Wan to Wesley's Luke Skywalker and uh, talk him through this supernatural process of messing around with the warp field. This scene is super fun because Wesley's really frustrated with the process of of getting this warp bubble to expand and keeping it stable long enough for his mom to to run through it. And he's like, he's like, I just can't do it. It's this is fucking bullshit. And the traveler's like, close your eyes, man, and feel the buttons. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, like. Jordy, the blind chief engineer, is like watching Wes close his eyes and do something amazing. And then he starts disappearing. Yeah. And then the traveler starts disappearing. It's crazy. It's like magic going on in the engineering department. And again, whenever anyone sees magic happening on this show, no one says, whoa. No. Yeah. It's it's just like seeing anything else happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As you do. Slightly, oh, yeah. slightly disappeary. No bigs. Jordy also wasn't the chief engineer when the Traveler was last around, right? Yeah. They mentioned Kaczynski in this episode, too. Oh, they do? I missed As that. a callback. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Wes is like, I've tried everything to keep this bubble open. I've even called up Kaczynski. He was no help. Oh, shit. Nice. That guy was a dick. Of course he was no yeah, help. he really was. Yeah. I bet, you know? I bet that guy's got a signed card in the Portfolio Prince trading card series. But guess what? We're not buying that one. <laughs> all Jaegers. All Jaegers all the time. So after, after doing it with his eyes closed, Wes is somehow able to erect the bubble in such a way that, uh, that Beverly finally gets the hint yeah. that, that she's got to run through it in order to get back to her universe. She uh, she flies through it, like slams into a wall on the, on the other side. Picard runs over and helps her get up, and she gives him a big hug, and then she turns, and she sees Wesley, like, on the verge of death, slumped over the engineering console and the Traveler. And she's like, the Traveler! Hey! <laughs> One of the weirdest moments is her, her son is clearly in distress, and she's like, but first, let me say hello to you, sir. How do you do? I feel like Wesley Crusher's only emotional response this season has been either, like, stupefaction <laughs> at the sight of his father in the holodeck or just utter fatigue and collapse <laughs> which is what it was in engineering in this episode yeah well we've uh we've furthered the storyline that wesley has some sort of special relationship with warp field manipulation and that he has sort of got the force he's he's good with bubbles 
Yeah. We ended a nice shot of the ship uh, parked back at space dock, and we're out. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. You got through it, Ben. When was the last time you saw this episode? Because it, it's, it's so hated for you. Have you skipped it every time? No, I watch everything. I just... I think this might be a Mount Armis episode for me, man. I, I just think it really doesn't... Like, the, the doctor didn't, didn't need to be kicked while she was down in this way. It really, it really like, doesn't do a great job of depicting this character. And I like the character, you know? I, I know you do. And I like her, too. This episode didn't move the needle for me about how much I like or dislike her. And I really struggle to articulate why I like this episode so much, given its many, many flaws. It is a profoundly flawed episode. But there's something about it that's just Twilight zone enough that makes it really enjoyable for me. <laughs> like, it's really, it's just a bubblegum Star Trek episode. And I, I just really dig it. It's entertaining. It's not Armacy for me in the least. Well, you have terrible taste. I won't deny that. (laughs) Hey, Adam, why don't we check in and see if there are any Priority One messages on our subspace communications relay. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Just one message coming in over Priority One subspace, Adam. This is uh, from Sagan M. This is to Sagan, comma, Kurt's son. So I guess this is a Priority One message in reference to a prior Priority One message. This is some Sagan on Sagan right here. (laughs) Yeah, Sagan on Sagan action. From one Sagan to another, welcome to planet Earth. For the past 36 years, I have been the only Sagan I have heard of, and was thrilled to hear your father's name choice. We, we share the same namesake, Carl Sagan, and this vision and passion for space has influenced me greatly, as I hope it will you. Congratulations, Kurt's family. Sagan M. in Philly. Wow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Philly Sagan is sort of the OG Sagan, isn't he? That is an OG of, of Saganhood. Uh, one time I was walking around New York City with a friend and he decided to score some weed <laughs> and we went up to a pot dealer's apartment and they had a cat that they explained to us was named Carl after Carl Sagan. Mm. But uh, Sagan is better. It really is. I feel like we know a bunch of Carls. In 18 years, the, the younger Sagan is going to hear this and uh, be tickled pink. Sagan the Younger. Yeah. <laughs> I still love the idea of people naming other people Sagan. Yes. And cats. Uh, sure. But the idea of one P1 message being sent in response to another, I think, is yeah. especially cool. So <laughs> uh, if you have heard a Priority One message that you would like to respond to directly. Or rebut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron uh, and and type in some of your own words that we will read for you. Yeah. Uh, it is $100 for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And uh, that is what you got to do. MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. 
Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Uh, did your drunk Shimoda disappear? Drunk Shimoda! My drunk Shimoda was the last to disappear. <laughs> my, uh, my drunk Shimoda is Picard. Um, just because, uh... You actually kind of described this moment when uh, when Wesley and the Traveler are sort of like phasing in and out of, of space time. There's just there's a couple of shots of Picard just kind of hanging out at the engineering console watching this, and he's definitely got a whoa like <laughs> like body language, but de- goes uncommented on. It is hilarious how how little it appears to move the needle for, for him that, that this is happening. That's a great one. Yeah. How about yourself? Ben, I say this in complete honesty. We never pre-share our Shimodas. Mm-hmm. These are improvised on the spot. And my Shimoda is exactly the same as yours. What I wrote down was, it's Picard in engineering who has given his ship over to magic, just standing there. <laughs> <laughs> like like he's watching magic happen in front of him in the most scientific place on the entire ship and how defeated must you be as a man of science to watch this go down yeah like everything you thought you knew about how your ship worked is basically gone at this point all it right. takes is a guy with lobster hands and the boy to create magic and engineering I mean, Picard up to this point thought he was creating magic with Wesley. Right, but uh, a, to- a whole other kind. Yeah, not like this. So, yeah, I think I think what we've done is given this scene, and Picard specifically, the drunk Shimoda. Mm-hmm. I like it when we have a simultaneous Shimoda. Darmok, Angela, and Tanaga. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product 
with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, do we have a better episode coming out for next time? We sure do. Our next episode is Season 4, Episode 6, Legacy. A rescue mission leads the crew to the birthplace of their late comrade, Tasha Yar, where they encounter her mysterious sister. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I remember Sarah Connor vibes. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a planet full of Sarah Connors, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's very um, post-Judgment Day uh, Terminator world. <laughs> kind of situation you know who has the hots for sarah connor vibe women it's one Riker william t why what is this attitude yeah i wonder if uh i can't remember if he uh attempts to uh initiate diplomatic relations with this woman but uh it would uh it wouldn't be against type i'll put it that way we'll see if Riker has indigenous clothing in his closet for this one Hopefully Ooh, he does. You know what? I, I I'm pretty sure it's not. But what this episode should be is like a sex competition comedy between Riker and Data to see who can bed her first, right? Because Data already slept with her sister. It's like sexual stratagema. Like <laughs> Riker and Data have the cow milkers hooked up to them, like uh-huh. like on both nipples and and on like the testicles. And it's like a rising score, like hour after hour. She, she's she's just sitting at the bar watching this, rolling her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you bet on? I gotta Man. say, like, I think Data would be a a very short favorite, but not by much. Yeah, uh, I think I think I'm with you on that. <laughs> we'll see what oh, the uh, Vegas odds makers have to say. Yeah. And then, when we yeah. come back, um, well, you know what? There aren't short odds on Adam. 
as our listeners doing going above and beyond to support our show. They do it all kinds of ways. They go to maxfunstore.com and buy our t-shirt. They go to maximumfund.org slash donate and commit to a monthly contribution to support the show financially. And some of them even go to iTunes and leave us a nice review, uh, which uh, we just crossed the, the 800 mark and uh, hugely appreciate everybody that was involved in that push. That was really cool. We, we were at like 799, and I uh, I put out a tweet that that uh, somebody could claim 800, and we were at like 808 the next day. So very cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah, if you haven't reviewed the show yet, it's easy to do. Yeah, it's just a if couple we, of clicks away. If we had half as many reviews as we have listeners, we would have a uh, we would have like one of the high most highly rated shows on on iTunes. I think. It's true. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. It's like, it's literally, it's literally the easiest thing in the world and, uh, and helps immeasurably. It's almost as easy as contributing to the show. Mm-hmm. Not it's quite. an equal amount of clicks, I'd say. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we should thank uh, Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusea for the Priority One message music. Uh, thanks both. We are reachable on Twitter using the hashtag greatestgen. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben is on there as at Benjamin R, A-H-R. Uh, there are pages set up on Reddit at r slash greatestgen and also at r slash maximumfun. Uh, interesting thing about the Reddit, Ben, is I was I was uh, cruising the Star Trek Reddit. Mm-hmm. Our show is never mentioned there. I know. And Nobody ever brings us people up. over there. People over there are talking about other podcasts. Uh, other podcasts I've never heard of. Yeah. Having to do with Star Trek, and I think they'd be they people over on Reddit would get a big kick out of our show. We can't do it ourselves. No. Uh, if anyone would like to go over there and spread the word about Greatest Gen, I think that'd be awesome. That would be great. Maybe we should do an AMA on Reddit sometime, Adam. You and me. I'd be happy to do it. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I would that's, be happy to do that. That's like the one time on Reddit where posting something that you made that you're proud of doesn't get a million people going, fuck you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Let's do so, it. Yeah. Let's do it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it someday. Coming up soon. Um, yeah. Go to Facebook. Uh, page and a group. You'll enjoy them, I promise. Uh, very lively. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a post-apocalyptic episode of The Greatest Generation. know uh, something else magical that happened to me i've got my whole stack of trading cards here and i just cut the deck and the card that was face up when i cut it was for remember me whoa see my response my response was a thousand percent more <laughs> emotional than any's on the episode <laughs> yeah instructive uh star trek writer's room reach out
<laughs> it's okay to be impressed if you're yeah. a character. Yeah. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.